Good morning, everyone. <clears throat> How are you guys doing today? Good? Yeah. Um, before I jump in, I actually, uh, if you recall, the MSU venue was here maybe what? What, what, what day is today? The 13th? Yeah. Right? Okay, so we left. Oh, yeah, we, we've been, okay. So we left like two weeks ago because we were incubating here because we were online. And um, actually, the last Sunday, if you guys recall, I shared that we had someone from our venue who got in a really bad car accident, actually, uh, in the middle of uh, worship, actually. And, and it, was, uh, it was pretty scary. Um, but praise God. Uh, thank you, guys. We spent time um, praying for that individual. And uh, praise God that uh, they are okay. And the other people that were in the car accident are also okay. Nobody had to go to the hospital for, like, you know, life-sustaining injuries or whatever. Um, but, yeah, their car is totaled. So there's that. But and it's okay. We can laugh about that because they're fine. So, um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, so thank you guys so much for just praying over that person. Um, we were just really nervous and worried for them, and you know they're all good now. So just wanted to follow up with that in case any of you guys were wondering. Um, my name is Young, uh, and I get to oversee that MSU venue as a venue director there. Um, and I have the joy of preaching here uh, at Real Town because I love preaching at the Real Town venue and love the Real Town community and family here. Um, what I want to do for us is ask you guys, as we have been doing in our Apostles' Creed series, uh, to read the Apostles' Creed together. We're only doing this for this series, and we're actually in the second to last week, uh, which is crazy, because we're, uh, uh, you know, we've been in the series for, what, I think like 10 weeks or something like that. And so if you guys want to stand, this is what we've been doing. If you are able to stand, please stand with us. Um, and we are going to read the Apostles' Creed together to start our time together. And so, all right, here we go. Ready? I'm going to count us down because <laughs> there are times where we're like, okay, what are we studying? All right, ready? Three, two, one. Here we go. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. So we are <clears throat> in the section of the Apostles' Creed here on specifically the, uh, the forgiveness of sins. And what I actually want to do for us is read kind of uh, another creed of sorts, uh, if you will, um, that I believe uh, we have picked up in uh, maybe modern um, <clears throat> or just Christian culture throughout church history. Um, and that is the Lord's Prayer. Um, and that's where I want to start our time off this morning, um, and then we'll jump into more of this topic. And so let me read for you the Lord's Prayer as it is written in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. It says this, uh, Jesus' disciples asked, Lord, how? Teach us to pray, right? Uh, can you teach us how to pray like you? And this is Jesus' response. He says, therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
And give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We are specifically going to be in verse 12 today, uh, which I, I know, I believe, uh, uh, on, on the screen, it's just going to highlight verse 11 and 12. Uh, but taking a look at my notes, I was like, you know, I really just want to hone in on verse 12 here, which reads, and forgive us our debts uh, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And so uh, before we jump in uh, and talk about this very easy topic, right? We love easy topics at RIV. Um, let me uh, pray for our time and ask for the Lord's help in this. So would you join me as I pray for our time together? Father, we uh, come before you as people who, who do seek uh, your forgiveness as you are a, a holy God. You are, you are hallowed. You know, hallowed be your name. You're, you're set apart um, from the rest of this world because you, Lord, are, are perfection. You, Lord, are righteous. You are, are perfect beauty. And, and sin is something that has consumed us in this world. And it, it, it troubles us. It puts a dividing wall between uh, us and our neighbor and us and you. Um, and you, Lord, we need your help to understand how to to work through issues, through, to work through uh, the, the offspring of sin, uh, which is conflict and death. And so, Lord, we ask for that help today as we dive into your word, as we dive into cultural phenomenons uh, that, that may hinder our ability to forgive one another. May we look to the cross of Christ as the purest example of what forgiveness looks like in our lives as you lead the way, Lord. We're just thankful for the time that we can gather together, uh, that we can get here safely, Lord. Um, and may we look to you, Father, as the one who provides all the help uh, in our lives uh, this morning. And so we just uh, pray all this in your son's name. Amen. So <clears throat> have you uh, ever seen one of those uh, videos um, where it's a family in court Right? They're at the their, 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 their hearing or whatever. It's at the end uh, because a family member has been murdered. Right, and, and you have that one family member who is testifying or giving their parting thoughts. And they say to the, the, the convicted individual, uh, the murderer, saying, I forgive you. And I hope that you can find Jesus or find or hear the gospel while you're in prison or something along those lines. Have you seen those videos? Have you ever wondered why, at the end of those videos, you're crying your eyes out? Because for me, when I think of those videos, when I think of uh, all the times that I've seen those videos, I wonder, why is this so impactful to my heart in this moment? Why, why was this so captivating to see? Why was I so drawn into this type of content or this video, right? I think it's powerful, well, for starters, because I don't think I could ever do that. Honestly, just standing in front of you, as much as I'd like to think that I'm pious, you know, that I have high virtues or high morals because I'm a Christian, I don't know if I could be the one who stands behind a podium like this and talks to, like, you know, if someone murdered my, my younger sister and say, I forgive you. I don't know if I can actually do that. 
And I think it's a powerful moment and it's moving because we see that forgiveness, even in the most difficult of circumstances, when actually given out, is in fact a beautiful thing because we see that what sin has done in that situation, it's, it's fractured relations, it's fractured humanity. Forgiveness is this balm that tries to heal that fracture, that tries to mend that fracture, the two pieces or the many pieces together. Forgiveness, it ranges from being easy to do. Sometimes, you know, it's easy to forgive your your friend or your neighbor. And sometimes it is the hardest thing that you'll ever do in that week, in that month, in that year, in your entire life. There's a spectrum on how, how easy it is to forgive someone. There's sometimes fights between friends and roommates, right? I know my, my, when I was uh, back in 2016, one of my, my good, my, one of my best friends, we were living together, and he pulled me aside and was like, he's like, hey man, I, I don't like it when, uh, you know, I, I, I don't appreciate it when you troll me in front of our friends. And I was, you know, quick to apologize and he was quick to forgive, right? Sometimes there's tensions between parents and children. Like me and my dad, I love my dad, but man, we... <laughs> we, we get into some, some beef, right? And it's a little bit harder to forgive. Bossing coworkers, yeah, that's also a real thing. You know, how well do you, if you're, if you're an employer, how well do you treat your employees? And if you guys get in conflict, how, you know, who's the first one to forgive and who's the first one to apologize? And then once you throw in things like race, that gets hard. Racial injustices, racial reconciliation, when you look at George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery, and you look at black communities and their relationship with the police, it's fractured. And there's a lot of, so much nuance you have to work through. It's not as easy as, well, they said sorry, so you should forgive them. Whoever is the one saying sorry, and whoever has to forgive. There's a spectrum here on how easy it is to forgive, how difficult it is to forgive. Forgiveness is messy. It is a journey of seeking justice. It's a journey of seeking healing. It's a journey of seeking uh, and confronting experiences and people who are the source of our present pains. Yes? Something that has happened in the past. We're, we're trying to figure out how do we process all the pains that we have. It is a process that we, we may never see the light of day because we don't even know where to begin with forgiving other people who have hurt us. Or the process actually does begin and we actually never see it come to fulfillment because the pains are so deep. The wounds are so deep in our hearts that we literally, some of us, will carry it to the grave that's the reality of forgiveness. That's the reality of pain and hurt in our lives. If anyone, and this is kind of like an, an aside, if anyone has ever said to you that you should be quick to forgive someone over something that has caused you immense pain because, at least in the Christian context, because, well, you know, Jesus forgave you for all of your sins, so therefore you should be able to forgive just like that. If someone has ever said that to you, let me be the first to say that I'm sorry that Jesus was used in a way to hurry you through your pains and your traumas. I've actually been someone who, has, who needs to repent of that because I've actually used that um, on people that, that I love. 
And, 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 and it's just this weird way that we use Jesus to hurry someone through processing some of the pains that they have. Though forgiveness is something that we are called to do, it's not an easy thing that we must do as Christ followers. Yes, being quick to forgive, again, is a call for the, the follower of Christ, but the murky water of our experiences is very, very difficult to trudge through, especially if there's a lot of emotions, if there's a lot of pain, you know, proximity to the person that hurt you, there's so much there, right? Can we just acknowledge that there's a lot of nuances when it comes to forgiving someone, right? And at the same time, I do not think actively avoiding uh, forgiving someone is also the way because Christ does, in fact, instruct his disciples, his people to live in that matter, and so if, you're, if you guys are ready, real down to jump in this very easy topic with me, uh, we'll get started on taking a look at the passage that we read and some other things that Jesus said about forgiveness of sins. So to Jesus, forgiveness of sins was, it's important, right? Forgiveness of, of sins or debts in the, in the case of the Lord's Prayer, it is important to Jesus, and so it should be also important to us as well, right? It is clear that there is some sort of disconnect to Jesus. There's some sort of dissonance, some sort of division between us and God, right, that requires some form of forgiveness, right, according to the Lord's Prayer. Jesus does not shy away from this reality, and it is clearly stated in this prayer as he teaches his disciples on how to pray. He doesn't shy away from the reality that between us and God, there, there's some sort of conflict there, right? And also, there's this component in which Jesus acknowledges some sort of division between people. We, too, have debtors that we need to forgive, and we, too, sometimes may be the debtor that needs forgiving. If you look at, again, verse 12, Jesus says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Let's jump into that first half. And forgive us our debts. Let me be the first to say that Jesus, actually here in this prayer, he reveals a part of God's heart to his disciples. And this is it, that God is ready to forgive. God is ready to forgive. If you look at uh, the book of Psalms, let me just pull one uh, a section on here. Psalm 103. The psalmist writes this. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love. He will not always accuse us or be angry forever. He has not dealt with us as our sins deserve. Let me read that again. Let me just, let me read this over our real town family here today, okay? Let me read this for you. He has not dealt with us as our sins deserve or repaid us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is the faithful love toward those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. I am not a father. I don't have a, my wife and I don't have kids, but I did recently become a, a, a dog dad. So I kind of understand <laughs> what the psalmist is talking about here, okay? I did become a dog dad, right? And there are many times where I'm just like, I live on the fourth floor. I'm like, I just want to yeet my dog off the balcony. 
But then sometimes she just looks at me with those puppy eyes. I'm like, oh my gosh, I love you so much. <laughs> Even though you just had a blowout in your crate that I have to clean now. <sighs> the Lord has compassion. The Lord has compassion on those who fear him, those who love him. That despite our sin, that our, despite our sin, that genuinely it, it frustrates God, it, 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 it divides us and God, it, it's us and our attempt to live this life in a way that is not according to his ways, Despite us walking that path, God seeks compassion and graciousness towards those who fear him. Not in this like cowarding, like, oh my gosh, he's going to smite me. But out of this respect and this love for God, this pursuit towards God. Those who pursue him in that way, God is quick to be compassionate and gracious. And we see that on the cross of Christ. That he gave he didn't just give his son, right, Jesus, to the world, right? That's a very watered-down way of looking at the gospel. But he gave his son to teach the rest of us on how to live as he wants us to live. And that journey that Christ had with his life to his death was very messy. It was very, very complicated. Even his death was very messy and very complicated, Giving up his son was not an easy task, and yet out of his compassion and his grace, and as John 3.16, that verse that's printed on the bottom of Forever 21 bags, as it says, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son as a means to show us that he desires to forgive us. God is ready to forgive us for our sins. Before we get to talk about... um, Forgiveness among one another. We have to actually clear up uh, a very, in, in my opinion, I'm like, I don't know if it's the translators of the Bible, like people who, you know, Greek and Aramaic, and then you read it distilled to English or whatever. I don't know if it's them or if Jesus actually said it this way. Whoever did it, it's very confusing, and I'm very frustrated about it. But anyways, the second half of that verse, right? As we also have forgiven our debtors. If you read that in the English, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. What's the issue with that? There's a lot of issues with that that could come out if you read this in the wrong way. The question is this. Does this mean that God's forgiveness of our debts is caused by whether we have successfully forgiven the people who have sinned against us? Right? That's the question that I wrote as I was preparing for this. Does God's forgiveness of our sins, of our debts, is that caused by whether or not we successfully forgive other people? Right? I mean, if you actually literally read over, hop over the next two verses, verses 14 and 15, if you are there in Matthew, this is what it says. For if, and this is Jesus talking, so he says, for if you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly father will forgive you as well. Sounds like cause and effect. But if you don't forgive them, your father will also not forgive your offenses, cause and effect, right? That, that should be troubling, for some of us, especially if we grew up saying that God just forgives you. Like, okay, which one's right? Well, how do we process this, right? There are plenty of reasons why reading this part of the Lord's Prayer and the verse that we just read uh, in a way where God's forgiveness is contingent on our forgiveness of others is problematic. And if pushed to their limits, 
can be outright heretical. Let me name a couple. This could lead to legalism and disingenuous forgiveness of others. Well, I'm just going to quickly forgive my neighbor because I want God to forgive me for my sins. So I'm just going to say that I forgive them. God, I forgave them. Can you forgive me? Right? It, it leads to this weird legalism, right? Another way is that it would remove the need for Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for our sins, right? If God forgiving me is based entirely on whether I forgive my neighbor, then what's the point of Christ? We just have just a weird form of moralism. You lose the cross of Christ. So what is Jesus getting at here? As I was uh, studying for this passage and uh, studying this passage, I, I came across um, a, a work from John Nolan, who's a, who's a theologian scholar. He wrote this. He wrote, prophetic religion, which is kind of what Jesus, you know, that's, that's what we believe in, okay? Prophetic religion insisted on a consistency between the Godward dimension of religious life and behavior in the com- human community. And Matthew insists on the same here. Do you get that? It's John Nolan, the Gospel of Matthew. Another way to say this is watch out for hypocrisy. All right? Watch out for hypocrisy. What Jesus is doing here in his prayer is teaching his disciples that forgiveness is a key point in following him as your rabbi. Okay? That's very important. A historical thing to, uh, to remember is that forgiveness, according to Jesus, if you were to claim that you are his disciple and he is your rabbi, forgiveness is a key component to being his disciple. Forgiveness must be present in their lives. Forgiveness for Jesus was one of the markers that you were his disciples. And if you were to make that claim that you were his disciple, that you were able to forgive, then you are cognizant that God also forgives your sins, and this permeates in your interactions with other people, especially those who do you dirty. If you don't know the relationship between rabbi and disciple, the way I like to explain it is using the, uh, the illustration of, of Peter walking on water. A lot of times we think it's about faith, which it kind of is, but... Peter literally saw his rabbi walking on water, and he was like, oh, crap, my, my rabbi's walking on water. I have to do that as well. And so he goes out and tries, because that's how close the relationship is supposed to be. If Jesus is talking about forgiveness, his disciples must also understand forgiveness. If you actually flip over a few pages in the book of Matthew, and you look at Matthew 18, Jesus shares this parable let me read this for you guys, okay? It's a, it's a bit lengthy, but read this. Use your, your, your imagination to see this play out. Matthew 18, 23 through 35. I'm going to read 12 hefty verses for us, right? He says, For this reason, this is Jesus sharing, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle accounts, one who owed 10,000 talents was brought before him. And since he did not have the money to pay it back, his master commanded that he, his wife, his children, and everything he had be sold to pay the debt. And at this, the servant fell face down before him and said, Be patient with me and I will pay you everything. And then the master of the servant had compassion, released him, and forgave him the loan. And that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him, started choking him. It's very violent. And said, pay what you owe. And at this, his fellow servant fell down and began begging him, 
Be patient with me, and I'll pay you back. But he wasn't willing. Instead, he went and threw him into the prison until he could pay what was owed. And when, he, uh, and when the other servants saw that what had taken place, they were deeply distressed and then reported to their master everything that had happened. Then after he had summoned him, his master said to him, You wicked servant! I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow servant as I have had mercy on you? And because he was angry, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay everything that was owed. And so also my heavenly father will do to you unless every one of you forgives his brother or sister from your heart. Wow, okay, that's a lot. That's a lot. Again, the whole point of Jesus sharing this parable is not to say you must forgive in order to be forgiven. But what Jesus is teaching here is that if you are to claim to be one of his disciples, forgiveness is a part of that package. Now, I hope the message is clear up until now, right? We are called to forgive others because that's what Jesus instructs. But... Here's the trouble. Um, Why is it so difficult (laughs) to do that? Why is it so difficult to forgive people? Why is it so difficult, especially nowadays? I don't know about you guys. Like five years ago, my forgiveness ability was like probably like on a scale of one to 10, 10 being like, I'm so quick to forgive. Like maybe five years ago, it was at like a seven or an eight. But now for some reason, I don't know about you guys. For me, it's like at like a five or six. Maybe on a bad day, I'm like, I don't even want to talk to you, (laughs) right? Like, just get away from me. I don't know about you guys. That's it for me. I'm just being honest, okay? Why is it so difficult for us to forgive nowadays? And I hope I'm wrong with this, but a hunch that I have is that um, tells me that uh, that out of a huge spike of, of cancel culture, I mean, let's just talk about that for a little bit. Over the last couple of years, Um, the ghost of cancel culture, I believe, still looms over us here in 2022. Okay, let me just, let's, let's, this is just young talk. Jesus is not talking. This is just young talking. So I could be wrong with this, all right? I believe the ghost of cancel culture still looms over 2022 uh, because it has seeped so much into the social uh, ethos or whatever, the air of our time. And I don't have data or research to back up this claim. And if anyone does, please, please email me because I'd love to see that data and that information. But if I'm not mistaken, um, I believe cancel culture actually emerged out of a place of good intent. Like, if you're following the history of cancel culture, I'm pretty sure it came out of a place of good intent, right? To give justice to victims and to remove people in power who abused their power and therefore also abused their victims. Let me give a few examples. That, a few examples that popped up in mainstream culture over the last few years. Think of Harvey Weinstein, right? Who sexually assaulted and, and raped several female celebrities and artists. I think of R. Kelly. I think of uh, Ellen DeGeneres. That was a huge, from left field. Like, whoa, she got canceled. And there's so many people on this list of people who got canceled, again, because we wanted to give justice to the victims and remove people of power who abuse their power and authority and end up hurting people. But I wonder if something that was intended for good has been co-opted 
by something. I, 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 don't, I was trying to figure out what that something was. Mainstream culture, a spirit of division. I don't know what it is. You know, I don't know how spiritual you want to make it. But it got co-opted by something. Because now it's permeated so much into our culture that we can't learn to disagree with each other. That the moment I disagree with you on something, I've actually hurt your feelings. Or that you've maybe hurt my feelings. I don't know. I definitely felt that. If someone disagrees, it's like, oh man, okay, maybe you don't like me. I, I, I don't know. But it's permeated so much that we need to be cognizant of this. You know, instead of talking things through, seeking clarity and pursuing forgiveness, cancel culture has allowed us to take the back door from a situation, right? To remove ourselves from something that could potentially form us more into the likeness of Christ. Like, that's, a, that's a loaded statement, I know, but I genuinely believe that when we pursue reconciliation, when we pursue having tough conversations when we're ready to, not to hurry into them, but when we're ready to, it can actually form us more into the likeness of Christ. I genuinely believe that. One way I, I, I would like to paint this picture is that if, if cancel culture is to the world, then forgiveness is to Jesus Christ. That is the world that we're living in right now. And sorry, I, I kind of just assume that everyone here knows what cancel culture is. Cancel culture essentially is if someone does something wrong, then you're like excommunicated from the society, okay? That's just, let me just, that's, that's what I'm getting at here, right? And I don't think this is too much of a tangent on this note of forgiveness and struggling to forgive. Because that, that's the water we're swimming in right now. But I think it's worthwhile to share a very anecdotal ob- observation. I'm going to add on one more anecdotal observation that I've made in our mainstream culture when it comes to forgiveness. And, and again, take it for what it's worth because this is me talking, not necessarily just Jesus talking. But here are two observations that I've made, all right? The first is that our culture has turned to cancel culture because it is easier to cancel someone than to forgive them. We've kind of made that clear already. The second one is this. Um, And we have turned away from forgiveness because we have bought into the lie that forgiving someone will return power they may have had over you back to themselves. I think that's a very critical piece to forgiveness, is that we are afraid somewhere along the line in this journey over the last five to ten years maybe, that that when we forgive someone, it's, it's we bought into the lie that the moment you forgive them, they have that power to hurt you again. And that because we are afraid of that, that power, that power dynamic, power imbalance, we don't want to forgive. We bought into the lie that that is the reality of what actually happens. And it's hard to forgive people. Like, the baseline of forgiveness is already difficult, right? And when you add these different components on top of it, it makes it even more difficult. For some, we struggle to forgive because honestly, we just don't want to. Let's just be real, right? If you're, if you, if, you don't have to raise your hand. That's me, okay? That's me. I struggle to forgive sometimes because I straight up don't want to. I'm stubborn, right? I follow, I, I have the same personality as my grandma. I love her, but I'm stubborn. I get that from her, okay? For others, we struggle to forgive because we are in a lot of pain, Right? We're in a lot of pain and we struggle to forgive. And if that's you today, I see you. I appreciate that you've made it this far in listening. Because I understand that up until this point, it may sound like I'm saying you have to forgive. You have to be quick to forgive. But let me say that I see you today if you are struggling to forgive because the pain and the wounds are so, so deep. 
Personally, for me, there was a time several years ago where a friend, a really good friend of mine, it was, it's probably, I think, to, the, to date, the, the most I've ever been backstabbed by a really good friend of mine. And we didn't talk for eight months because I had so much pain that I had to wrestle through. I sought counsel from people who are older and wiser than me. Um, I you know, prayed about it. I, I, I read the word. I, I took time for myself. And praise God, we're reconciled now, right? And at the same time, if, if you're here and, again, in a lot of pain because someone else, I want to, you to be aware uh, that, that a heart that cannot forgive other people may be trapped actually in that place of pain for as long as you choose not to forgive that person. And that is a hard reality for us to work with. In fact, I would even say that pain turns into bitterness and then into resentment, which is poison. Uh, Or as St. Augustine, uh, a North African theologian says, resentment is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. I looked up who said this. It's been attributed to like Mandela and like other people. I'm pretty sure it was St. Augustine, okay? Resentment is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. That's what happens when we let pain fester in our hearts, turn into bitterness, and then bitterness turns into resentment. The other person just lives their life freely while you're entrapped in this place of resentment and poison. I want to begin landing the the plane here. I think that is one of the most cunning things that the enemy can do in this world. Let me read for us Genesis 3. It says, Now the serpent was the most cunning of all wild animals that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say you cannot eat from any tree in the garden? Question mark. If the enemy is the prince of the power of the air, as the Apostle Paul writes, and the ruler of this world, you better believe that his best tactic, okay, is to twist the liberating power of forgiveness. We won't get into um, into, uh, Genesis 3 here, but the enemy's number one plan that we can pull out from here is to divide. It is to divide God's people. It's to divide us and God, right? There are many things in our lives that can, that can produce this division that could, uh, you know, things like church drama, that's real, <laughs> friend drama, roommate drama, right? Parent-child drama, all that good stuff, right? And when that drama goes unresolved, it gives a foothold for the enemy to do what he does best, which is to divide and to keep us divided. And the thing about forgiveness is that forgiveness bridges us back together. It reconciles us with one another. Let me read for us Galatians 5. Paul writes to the church in Galatia, For you were called to be free, brothers and sisters. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement, love your neighbor as yourself, but if you bite and devour one another, which I believe is a byproduct of division, watch out or you will be consumed by one another. Have you ever been in a situation where you literally sought forgiveness from someone that you have done harm to? If you haven't, Jump into ministry. Trust me. I, I know I've said a lot of stupid things to people, and I've hurt them. And I've sought forgiveness from them so fervently. Because I know that, that feeling of causing someone pain is just so, so troubling to me personally. 
that I sought their forgiveness, that if, if they actually forgave me, oh man, I would feel loved by them. And what I believe what we can do here to love someone as yourself in a situation of forgiveness is to understand this feeling of needing forgiveness and forgiving them because you know exactly what they're feeling like. Placing yourself in their shoes. When Christ instructs his people to pray and includes your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then it is immediately followed by what? You know, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. It is clear that experiencing a part of heaven on earth is the reality of reconciliation because reconciled relationships with one another and with God is the norm in heaven. That is important to understand. We are reconciled fully, and that is the norm in heaven. And my ask for us today as a church family is consider who in your life do you have to forgive? What are the the pains and the traumas and the wounds, however deep, however shallow, that you have to work through personally to get to a place of forgiving someone? And that could take years. And honestly, hear from me, that is okay. Take the time. Go to counseling. Get therapy. Seek wisdom. Pray. Read the Bible. Do, Do what you need to do to heal from those wounds, to get to a place of forgiveness. And trust that the Lord can begin an even deeper healing process when you can get there. Because that is what he calls us to do. And that is what he showed on the cross when he gave himself up for the sins of the world to reconcile us and God. Let me uh, pray for us because this is a tall order and a difficult thing to do. Um, And yeah, so let me, would you guys just pray with me as I pray this over our family here. Father, we... uh, we ask for your help, Lord, in forgiving. We want to imitate you. We want to follow your footsteps as your disciples and as you are our rabbi, as as you are our teacher. And you showed the ultimate action of forgiveness, the sacrificing of yourself. You laid down aside your own, you know, whatever, your whole life really for us to be reconciled with God. Lord, it is hard to do that, though, and so we need your help. Grow in us a heart of dependency, of neediness towards you, because, Lord, we know that in that type of heart posture, you see us and you hear us, Lord, in our most vulnerable moments. So help us in this way, Lord. Help us, teach us, Lord, what it means to forgive. Teach us, Lord, and show us in our lives what we have to work through to get to that place. And may you receive all the glory at the end of the day. We all pray this, Lord, in your son's name. Amen.